Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Monday night. Celebrating an NFC championship and setting the stage. I mean, the next two weeks here on WIP, it's... I said it earlier, I'll say it again. It's almost as if this was scripted. It's the Eagles against Andy Reid. It's Angelo against Andy Reid one last time. Like, you know, I, I, it really kind of hit me last night when I watched Reid and Mahomes in the podium, specifically Reid. Like, it's the Eagles against Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. It's the guy who helped get this franchise on its feet again. And now it's doing with another franchise. And it's 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 there's so much to this. The Kelsey brothers... It's incredible. And then I thought about this last night, and I feel like this has not been talked about it because everyone's talking about the big storylines. So when Reed got to Kansas City, I believe, wasn't Sirianni a leftover on the staff? He was. So but not I, for long. Well, not for long. And this happens, I think, every time there's a coaching turnover in the NFL, right? They bring their own guys in. It's not like a malicious thing, like, you're fired. But the reality is this. I mean, like, we, we could slice it or dice it any way we want. Andy Reid got to Kansas City. He could have retained Nick Sirianni. I think it was a wide receivers coach at that point. He didn't retain him. So Sirianni had to move on, I guess, to the Chargers. Uh, he bounced to. And, you know, his career took off from there. But how about that? Like, Andy Reid got fired by the Eagles. He goes to Kansas City oh, immediately, like within days. And one of his first things is he puts his staff together in Kansas City is to tell Nick Sirianni, good luck elsewhere, kid. And now they face each other in the Super Bowl. I, I just, I, I think it is wild that is uh, those two are connected as well. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Your favorite moment from the NFC Championship? And there's so many to choose from. I love the Sirianni symmetry. Two years to the day of that introductory press conference, where all of us, but let's let's not have revisionist history on this. All of us felt like, boy, this is not sounding good. Do you know who you replaced Nick Sirianni with? I don't. They were both hired as head coaches in the same offseason. So, okay, so you're saying the guy that, that Reed replaced Sirianni with became a head coach the same year Nick Sirianni did. So that we just, last week we talked about that group, right? It was Salah, it's not him. It was Arthur Smith. It was Sirianni. It was Brandon Staley. Who am I missing? Who else got a job that offseason? Dan Campbell? No. No. He, but, he didn't last very long. Not Urban Meyer, obviously. David Coley. Oh, Dave, who is guy from here, obviously. That's a long time. And so he replaced Nick Sirianni with David Culley. Do you think that maybe gave him a little extra edge when they played Houston? Although he was gone by then. Yeah, I, I it, for me, it would give me a little chip on my shoulder. You fired me for David Culley? This guy who was a one-year head coach. Wow. Um, but really, so many great moments yesterday. The Hurts singing the, the fight song, kind of the moment where he's fully accepted as the guy, the franchise guy. Watching Reddick, you know, Howie's first big sign of this offseason, have that kind of game. Kenny Gamo with the longest rush of, of anyone on championship weekend, truly showing how the deep this roster is. And, and just an amazing day for the Eagles. 215-592-9494. First, I want to play this for you. Jeff Lurie after the game talking about Jalen Hurts and the player he's becoming, what they saw in him when they drafted him a couple years ago. Awesome. I mean, he's a great young leader. He's a terrific young quarterback. Um, he's, he's, you know, uh, when we drafted him, it was the upside we were banking on. Uh, we thought he had a, you know, a huge upside, and um, it, it takes a couple of years. And uh, somebody so dedicated as Jared and such a great teammate, uh, 
inevitably he's going to maximize everything he has, and that's what he's done. And uh, you know, he's got great teammates and great coaches, and I can't underestimate. It takes everybody. You know, talk about the owner, talk about the head coach, talk about the quarterback, talk about the GM. We're only as good as the staff that we have. And in a way, that's the secret sauce is the culture and the staff. Normally, I don't like to play audio where it's like choppy, but I, I think it's fun when we play these after a, a special moment. We do it with the Phillies a lot in October. Like, there's something cool about the natural noise in the background. Everyone is so excited. Lurie, I mean, at some point, you think Jeff says, I told you so to, to anybody? Like, he doesn't have to. He's the owner of the team, and he, he might win another Super Bowl in a couple weeks. But, I mean, he was destroyed for keep for bringing Howie back, right? When the chip thing died, and he brought Howie back into power, he was destroyed. He, he was destroyed for firing Doug because Doug was very popular. He was destroyed for hiring Sirianni. And remember last year? I think it was was it the owners' meetings last year? Was that when um, Lurie compared the hope and trajectory for Jalen Hurts to Josh Allen? Basically saying, like, this guy got better. Our guy can't too. And he was laughed at for that too. Like, at some point you think Jeff Lurie's going to say, like, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I do think in – I don't know if they have to win next Sunday for people to believe this, but I, I do think Jeff Lurie has really converted a lot of people into thinking that 2017 wasn't just a fluke. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, th- th- this is. Th- I think that's part of why this particular next two weeks and that this Super Bowl is so important. This this legitima- legitimizes everything with this franchise. By the way, with that, we've had the discussion about how we go into the Hall of Fame. If they win the Super Bowl, is Jeff Lurie a Hall of Fame owner? He might be. I mean, I don't know what other Hall of Fame owners are, are out there, but I don't know. I mean, two Super Bowls in 30 years isn't that exciting, but what he's done and the sustained excellence the Eagles have really carried for the last 25-plus years, I think it has to be considered. Yeah, I think he would certainly be talked about in that realm down the line. Frankie is in Roxbury. Hey, Frankie! Hey, Joe, what's happening? Total, total beatdown, Joe. Total. Complete domination, Frankie. Joe, I can't believe how good we are. It, I, I like, like the way you said that. You're, they are really good. They, like, yesterday, they would have they beaten any, te- any other team in, in the whole NFL, whatever team in the NFL yesterday. Oh, without, without doubt. I mean, the way that Joe, pass rush was revved up, it was incredible. But it was every one of them, like even Dominic Sue and Joseph, and like I think they they're they're revived those old guys, and and I'll tell you what, Joe, they're going to see it in Kansas City because we're going to bring how do you, how do you win championships with a running game and a defense and a pass rush. And they right. have it all, Frankie. They have every and, and single element. This, Joe, think about this. We took out every everybody on the San Francisco team. We took out Debo. We took out uh, Kittle. We took uh, Jalen. Jalen took out Warner, the middle linebacker. With his, he had him standing still, Joe. He couldn't make a play. And I know this because when I watched the Dallas game when they played uh, San Francisco, played Dallas, 
Warner was like a maniac. He was everywhere. And yesterday he was – well, he, he got hurt in that first play, the first drive. He, got, he had the little stinger. And then you're right. He was just – he was out of it. Yeah. And it's just that split. Uh, Jalen is a master at it. He's like a – Joe, we're so hard to stop. You would – you could you won't believe um I was watching uh, ESPN Dan Orlovsky was saying I don't know how I don't know how you could you defend this team Frankie you know I don't know we, the, the crazy part is I, I don't even think I mean yesterday certainly but even in their, their first two playoff games the passing game hasn't been great and yet they still have scored 31 points like they're still yeah, scoring they, yo they they didn't want to pass they 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 figured Everybody's healthy. We're just going to grind it out. I'm not going to risk Jalen running or, or doing even throwing. So we, we, that's how you win. You, you kill the clock. You just grind it down. And that's, that's what I think we're going to do to Kansas City. And, Joe, think about this. When, remember when um, Tampa Bay beat, that, beat that, uh, Kansas, Kansas City in yep. the Super Bowl? Yep. Who made – a real disrupting play to, to to seal the deal. Who was that? Dominic Sue. Mm. Yes, he did. I believe a sack of Tom Brady late in that game. Think about it. Uh, they, we, we're going to use that blueprint. I, I remember that game. Mahomes couldn't do nothing. Well, he couldn't. The, 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 their line was a mess. And Frankie, good call. Appreciate obviously the sack of, uh, of Mahomes, not Brady. Brady was on his team. Um, yeah, Sue was good in that game, and and they were after Mahomes the whole time. I mean, they couldn't block for him, and he was hurt in that game of the turf toe. It's interesting how different injuries affect different players in certain ways. Like that turf toe bothered Mahomes way more than this high ankle is. I mean, I I don't know how he played like that yesterday. That guy's an alien. And it's weird because he kind of does the Tiger Woods thing where he does something amazing and he starts hobbling around a little bit. And I'm sure it is painful. And I think I read he refused any sort of pain-numbing like injections before the game. But, I mean, what he did from in the pocket and then his ability to go out and scramble for that first down at the end of the game to set them up for the game-winning field goal. I don't know. I mean, the guy's playing on one leg right now and still beating teams. I got to say, just watching yesterday, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. But... It, I thought watching Jalen and Mahomes yesterday made Lamar Jackson look weak. A couple weeks ago, Lamar Jackson wouldn't play in a playoff game for his team because he had a knee sprain. We got we got Lamar Jackson sitting there watching from home. We want Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are playing. I mean, they're obviously banged up. I mean, significantly, and they're playing out there and playing at a very high level. What to watch for? Sponsored by Xfinity Mobile. Xfinity Mobile, the sponsor of WIP's Xfinity Mobile Lounge, a different kind of mobile network designed to save you money. You know what I'm watching for the next couple weeks? The, the conversation around the Eagles, because think about it, in the past, every time, including in 2017, it was like the franchise that had never won. Can they finally break through? The underdog. The Eagles are not underdogs. You know, we'll see where the betting line goes, but right now they're the favorite. And they come in with the more all-around team. And it's, it's funny to me because a couple years ago, the Eagles started drafting these kids out of Alabama. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. Georgia kids like Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. They started bringing in character players, guys that are their their sole focus is winning. That's it. And you watch the way they've won the last couple weeks. They, they they've morphed into Alabama. They they just beat you down. They're deeper than everyone. 
They're fundamentally sound. They don't turn the football over. Like, I feel like I'm watching Alabama football, not the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, they've become the Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Alabama team. They're smarter, they're sounder, they're deeper, and they're going to just grind you down until you quit. The 49ers had not lost a football game since October. And by the third end of the third quarter yesterday, they tapped out. They tapped out and said, we quit. You guys are better. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That, that does not happen often in the NFL in the postseason. Dale is up on WIP. Hey, Dale. Joe, what's going on? Super Bowl, baby. They're headed to Glendale. Dale, what's up, buddy? What are you thinking? Hey, I, I just wanted to, hopefully you'll give me time, but I wanted to share a personal moment. Yeah, go ahead. When, when uh, 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 the second-string quarterback – uh, got got sat, you know, fumbled the snap, mm-hmm. and we recovered. Uh, my dad, who died in 2014, uh, was a big country fan. The minute that happened on my TV, I was watching the game, and it switched to the to the uh, country station. Oh my God, that was because he never got to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Right. We 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 used to watch. I mean, I've been a fan since '71 uh, when Robin, Roman Gabriel mm-hmm. and Mike Gorilla were the quarterbacks, and uh, we, we, you know, we never got to share a Super Bowl together. So 2017 was special, but having this happen was uh, was super special. Anyway, well, that's, um, Dale, and thank you for sharing that story. That that's a really cool moment, and obviously, you know, it's almost like that. It happened on purpose. That's the way I think of it. Like that channel switch happened on purpose for you. I, I think yesterday. Absolutely, and the MVP. Man, you can talk about Jalen. You can talk about Hassan Reddick, but I'm giving the MVP to uh, Howie Roseman. And Jeff Lurie, it's like a perfect storm. You know, they hired Doug. Everybody thought, what the hell are they doing? You know, Doug's never been a head coach. He's never, you know, called plays. And in his second year, they went to the Super Bowl, right? And with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, I mean, could you write any better script? You couldn't. I mean, Dale, you have a coach that people – literally thought could not speak in front of a room after that first press conference and a quarterback that that, that a lot of people just didn't think could ever play at this level at the, in, in this league and in in one you know two years the two of them are in the Super Bowl together as one of the great Eagles teams of all time it's remarkable absolutely and i'm i'm just i'm just excited man like i said i've been a fan since 2001 i go back a ways and uh this run um, it's incredible, you know, to watch this team and the way the owner and Howie, man, the way he realizes what their issues are and goes out and gets the right people, you know, uh, it, it just, it, it, if he doesn't win executive of the year, it, there's something wrong. Yeah, Dale, man, I, I appreciate I appreciate the story. So how he did win it, how he was awarded that. They that award is different than the other awards like MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. It's not awarded at the NFL Awards. Like, they just they just give it out. Um, 
So he got last week. He was named the executive of the year. Well deserved. It's it's as good of an offseason I've ever ever seen any executive have in any sport. I mean that that's how how efficiently they attacked their weaknesses and got better and just hit home run after home run. Reddick and Brad. I mean the Bradbury one was. I mean really the. the the cherry on top. I mean that that just that put this defense to a different level because corner was a major weakness. And then getting Chauncey Garner Johnson with the trade in August, just there's no weakness on this defense. Yeah, Howie Roseman had as good of an offseason as ever I've ever seen anyone have. And it does feel to me when I kind of watch it does feel like the Eagles have cracked the code a little bit. They, they you know it took Lurie and Howie a little while to kind of figure out what they Andy left, which you know, leads us to where we're going in two weeks in Glendale. And, you know, they, they tried the Chip Kelly thing, and it obviously blew up. And I, I think they all hit a reset button after Chip and said, what, what do we want to be? And they found two different coaches. And right, it wasn't, you know, they needed to because the, the Doug thing ran its course. But they, they, they figured it out. Like, Howie's going to figure knows how to run the cap and get them in good position value-wise. They're going to build around a young quarterback. They tried one. It blew up. Well, they had a depth with a backup to win a Super Bowl. Now they have another one, and this one is working out. And they they found two coaches here in Sirianni and, and now Doug and now Sirianni. Who, it's almost like if, it reminds me of baseball with managers. I'm not saying Doug and Sirianni aren't good coaches, but didn't it feel like they have found two coaches in the last seven or eight years that like don't want control over personnel, don't care about that, They'll just coach the team, and they're willing to do what the front office says is probably the best way to win. Like, do you really think Doug and Sirianni like were born to go for it on fourth down, or do they sit down with the Eagles and were told this this is the way we think is the most efficient way to win? They were like, "Cool, I'll do it." I'm yeah, in. and I also think there's something to be said about getting guys who didn't really have a lot of options. Like Doug Peterson didn't have a lot of coaching options, and I'm sure if Howie Roseman said you can have this job, but you have to go for it on fourth down a lot. That was probably something he was okay conceding. And same thing for Nick Sirianni. I just wonder, I don't know, what do other fan bases and ownerships think when they look at the Eagles, right? If I were an owner for a team such as, I don't know, Jacksonville or a team that struggles to turn things around, wouldn't you go to your GM and say, how can you not do this? How are the Eagles able to do this twice in the last decade and we've never been able to do it? Yeah, in a second we'll play for you here. Lurie talking about Sirianni. I mean, he basically spells it out yet last night on how this is able to go. Like he he gave Sirianni credit for being a good leader, which is obviously that's the biggest trait. The, the the similarities between Doug and Sirianni, both really good leaders, offensive guys, willing to play the game the way the Eagles obviously believe is the right way, philosophically. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to pass more than we run. We're going to get up with the pass. We're going to close it out with the run. All that kind of stuff. Build a good staff, um, which they did with Jim Schwartz, and now Sirianni did himself here with with Jonathan Gannon on that side of the football. Like It, it feels to me like they believe they've cracked the code. And it doesn't mean they're going to win every Super Bowl, win every year, but they really have found a formula here that that has worked multiple times now with almost a totally different cast, like in in a very short period of time. This just doesn't happen in the NFL. Here's Lurie yesterday. Listen to the way he describes Sirianni, and he means it as a compliment, but I I also took it as like, hey, this is a system. The coach is part of it. We're all part of the system. Here's Lurie on Sirianni. My evaluation of Nick was outstanding leader, uh, wants to have an outstanding staff, and he did. 
and put it together with a great culture, coaching culture and player culture, and worked so well with Howie and his staff and with uh, the analytics staff. I mean, just somebody who connects, as he talks about, he puts it into action. This guy thinks it through. He's comfortable enough with himself to uh, be a wonderful leader. And, you know, that's part of being a great coach. Well, it's a big part of it. it, it it's feel, I hear Jeff Lurie talk, and I think about how they talk about baseball managers. I'm not trying to take, take away credit from Sirianni. He's done an outstanding job. But they've got something. I mean, they really have a system here where if everyone's rowing the, the same direction, Howie is manipulating the cap the right way, they're acquiring the right players that fit, uh, they have the right young quarterback, and the coach can lead and push the buttons the right way. They're going to win a lot of they, – they, They've become a great franchise. Let's just put it that way. Jack is at Santa Barbara. Hey, Jack. Hey, Joe. What's You're, up, Jack? This is incredible. It really is. But I wanted to say, you're Mr. Leading Off. Don't you see a lot of Rob Thompson and Sirianni? I do. It blows me away. He He plays to his guys, and they buy in – and that's how Rob Thompson got us to the to the World Series. He he talked his guys into buying in. And Sirianni, yeah, we all threw darts at him, but he figured out how to how to get with his guys and get them to believe and buy in. Um, so I, I I just wanted to say that to you because you're Mister Leading Off. Yeah, you know? I, I like that comparison, Jack. I do. Yeah, and and they're both really good leaders, and the players believe in them, which yeah. is which is important. Yeah, and he's not afraid to be emotional. You know, that was uh, national TV, and he's like, you know, I can't hold this back. I'm not going to hold it back. That's genuine. That that's Philly right there, and and he fits. Philly like if you really look at it he's he's Philly through and through yeah he's he's intense he's real he's emotional he he does yeah he he fits he reminds me of of Dick Vermeil that way you know where he's not afraid to show his emotions and and he's he's real um I I told Tucker what I really enjoyed seeing yesterday because uh, you, you mentioned that that was topic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your favorite um, moment. Favorite moments from yesterday. Well, and, and first I want to say, before Ray, before he retired in, in the spring, he said, give this kid another year. Let's see what we got here. You know? And, 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 and Ray knows. Everybody listens to him. So he said, you know, don't judge him based on running around with a high ankle sprain. That doesn't look like like who he is. Let's give him a year and see and, and see how it works out. And his work ethic obviously is off the chain. But anyway, you know, back to the topic. I'm I'm sorry to digress. Oh, that's okay. Um, it's an exciting night. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I think the guy that isn't being spoken about enough, and he's the unsung hero of the whole damn shooting match, is Kelsey. Because when he pulled and blew that line up down at the at the goal line, and Miles Sanders just walked well walks through, I'm like, this guy is so intelligent. He's got all his guys playing on a string, and and we're gonna beat Kansas City 
playing that way. I believe it, Jack. Think- I believe it. Yes, I, I do. And and I can't wait for it. And you're right about Kelsey. Jack, I appreciate your phone call. Jason Kelsey is – I mean, he's I – was, I, I was thinking about it as we, we talked about it there. He's probably the greatest center I've ever watched. I mean, I know we've seen some Hall of Fame centers over the last – 30 years or so. Uh, I'm thinking about the ones that I got to watch. I watched, the, I guess, the end of Dermani Dawson with the, with the Steelers. Kevin Mawai was a great player. Uh, I mean, there's been some great uh, – Nick Mangold was a very good player. He's, I mean, he's the greatest player I think I've ever seen at that position. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch Mike Webster with the, the Steelers in the 70s. I'm sure he was a great player as well. Obviously, sad story as his, as his life turned out. But, I mean, the guy's amazing. And, and the highlight of that play, the, the Sanders touchdown where he walked in the end zone that Jack just mentioned there, it is – Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw might be the most embarrassing player from yesterday. All, all he did yesterday was get just te- – they teed off on that guy. He was supposed to be one of their best defensive linemen, and they just pushed him around like he was a nobody. Yeah, on that play, Dickerson and Kelsey – I think the play was snapped at the six-yard line, six or seven-yard line, the Miles Sanders touchdown. Kinlaw, what, they didn't stop pushing him until he was two yards deep in the end zone. The guy got pushed back eight yards. He's 300 pounds. I mean, he's like 280 pounds. He just got pushed around like he was an absolute nobody. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard here on this Monday night as we celebrate. The Eagles are NFC champions. Jalen Hurts singing with the crowd. Nick Sirianni, two years to the day of that press conference when he was introduced, becoming an NFC champion. The Niners completely melting down. They quit on that football field. We'll come back, hear what Brandon Graham had to say on the field yesterday, giving credit where it's deserved. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard. Sports Radio 94 WIP. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, America's number one sportsbook. Download FanDuel now and use promo code Gilio so you can bet the Super Bowl, you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does the win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line of points spreads to who will score a touchdown. Listen, I, I'm on a lot already, but I'm, I'm going to be on the over. I think we get points here in Super Bowl 57. All on an app that's uh, top rated, safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. I really like the FanDuel app. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94WIP. So join FanDuel today with promo code Gilio to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Gilio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard. The Eagles, we know where they're headed. Glendale, Arizona for Super Bowl 57. I know some. I saw some people today saying like they, they wish there was no week off. They they want the game. I I like I like the bye week. I, I think it adds anticipation, adds excitement. Plus, I think just for these two teams, I want to see Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts as healthy as they could be. Like I think just think we'll get a better product and just a better game in two weeks if both these tremendous young quarterbacks are are healthy enough to to be at their best. I mean, Mahomes is hurt. Jalen is obviously not feeling that that one play where he got banged up on his shoulder yesterday when he ran off the left side. You could see it on his face. Like, he was grimacing. He's playing through this. I I am – I'm glad the NFL is the two weeks, and uh, and I get to be out there, which is really cool. I'll be out there next week uh, doing the show at night, um, Monday through Thursday next week, 
somewhere in the uh, the Phoenix, I believe the Phoenix Convention Center I'll be hopping on. So Mark Cerise are going to be out there. I'll be out there. Uh, my first time to Arizona. You've been to Arizona? I went to uh, Flagstaff. I went to the Grand Canyon. I was all over Arizona a couple summers ago. So you were there when it was really hot. Yeah, it was like 100 degrees. It's a dry heat, though. So what is, So it's supposed to be like 70 next week. What does 70 feel like in a dry heat? I don't know. I think that's just like jeans and a short sleeve shirt. I think okay. you'll, you'll be all right. Yeah, I'm not I mean, worried about it. I'm just wondering. It does get cold at night, though. Like you would need like a, a jacket or something at night. Well, it's the desert. Right. It, was, it will be cooler. Yeah, I'm excited to be there and just to experience. I've never, I've never been to any uh, sort of Super Bowl media thing. I mean, when, uh, when the Eagles went in 2017, we only sent Marks and Reese. So again, we're, we're sending Marks Reese, and, and I'm going this time, and also doing the Becky All stuff in the morning. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun couple of weeks here. Brandon Graham, before we go back to the phone lines, Brandon Graham on the field last night talking about these coaches, specifically Sirianni, Gannon, sticking by them as the criticism was there. All the stuff he went through last year, that junk with all the flowers and all the little imitations of people talking, they ain't talking that no more. JG did what he's supposed to do this year. And JG, man, I feel so good for him because he's been going through it the most. And, man, we just got his back, went out there and put it, put together a complete game. And, you know, we just got to finish the deal, man, because, you know, he, we all put our blood, sweat, and tears in. And I'm just happy that, you know, these coaches, man, the way they've been working together and the way they've been keeping us together, you know, I take my hat off to the organization because it's all upstairs and who they bring in. Yeah, well, it is. And that go back, goes back to the organization again. But the coaching staff – it's really did a tremendous job. They outcoached the Niners yesterday. I mean, the not that was one of those things we talked about last week. The coaching, who has the who has the advantage? Sirianni out and his staff outcoached Shannon and his staff yesterday, no question. T Tans and Matt Laura, what's hey, up, man? What's up, man? Hey, hey, Joe. <clears throat> uh, first of all, congratulations on your uh, midday slot. Thank you. And I appreciate I that. You. I appreciate that. I want to say something to Tucker. He deserved to be thirty under thirty from his colleges that whole uh, alma mater so i just want to say that he deserved that i'll so, send that over to the I'll dean we'll try and get that fixed <laughs> <laughs> so uh, only one one comment i have i'm super happy super excited for super bowl uh only one comment i had is when i was listening to jalen hurts and he was saying like people were not happy when he joined here i think what he was trying to say is he accepted himself that he belonged here. He deserved. He, he owns this team now. I think that's how I, I would interpret the way he was telling me. So that was the awesome moment when he said, like, he didn't, he didn't feel like people liked it. And then what he did this year, like, now nobody, nobody even questioning him. So that's that was the amazing moment yesterday. Yeah, you're, T-10, I, you're right. Yeah, and I, T-10, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your phone call and the kind words. And I agree. I mean, Tucker should have been that 30 uh, under 30 list. Maybe I'll just crash it. I think you should send the audio from T-10 and send it over to the uh, the dean of Temple. Just say, listen, the people know. The people in this area know who's a 30 under 30 star. They did send an email the next day saying we're having a happy hour for everybody who didn't make it if you want to come. So a few beers and then when you, you back over? Yeah, if you want to go and hang out with a bunch of losers, come to this. <laughs> Here's everyone that didn't make our list. You guys could commiserate together. Um, but yeah, I just I'm happy for Nick Sirianni. And I was I didn't remember until I I, I saw someone post it. Like, you know, I guess it was this morning um, that it was the date. It was the exact date. The NFC Championship game yesterday was the exact date as his original press conference. And let let's just be real. I, because I posted the clip this morning. Let, let's play it again, Tucker. The, the clip of Sirianni two years ago yesterday, part of his introductory press conference, talking about, you know, whatever this is, systems. 
Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're going we're gonna to we're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we, when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over, but we need to have systems in place and we will have systems in place to do so. I agree with him what he was trying to say there. It was just how he's coming off. And so I posted the clip today and so we were like, yeah, everyone in the media was over the top about it. Let's be real. There's no way anyone in the moment, it's, it's easy now to say, see, everyone was too hard on him. And I, I, I think we did shows that week saying like a press conference doesn't mean he's going to be a bad coach. Like I thought, I, I did think the, the arrows thrown on him were, too, were, were a lot for, for that day. But that being said, you could not have felt good about this guy as the Eagles head coach listening to that. No, I think first impressions go a long way, especially in sports. That's why people doubt Jalen Hurts as a passer, right? Because right? the first time we saw him, he was an 18-year-old kid who was playing poorly but leading Alabama to the national championship game. And you could say that about Nick Sirianni. I mean, you didn't have any evidence at the time. To the contrary, and I do feel bad looking back on it. I mean, I think we've all been in a situation where we've been nervous and we've been fumbling mm-hmm. for our words and been unable to, to really convey our point succinctly and Unfortunately, he did that on a national stage, and that was his first impression with the entire fan base. And it took him probably nine months, 10 months, 11 months, maybe that Detroit game, until people finally started to come around and think, okay, this guy isn't necessarily a buffoon. Yeah, and it, and he's not. He, he's a good football coach. And, yeah, it was, it was a bad moment for him. But, again, of course, everyone's going to react in the moment like, well, who did the Eagles just hire here? And like Tucker just said, it wasn't like he had a track record where we heard him speak before. I mean, literally, I remember we uh, we interviewed some people from Indianapolis. They all said the players liked him. He commanded the room. So that made me feel better. And there were some clips out there on YouTube of him talking to his team, and it sounded like he was comfortable. But unless you dug for, for clips of him speaking, I mean, that was the first time we heard this guy talk. And it just sounded like he was so just tripping over himself, just not where he needed to be as a leader. Forget if he knew offense and defense and schemes and all that stuff. I mean, that, that was what I was concerned about. Can he lead? Can he speak? And that moment, you wondered if he could. And two, literally two years to the day, Nick Sirianni got to raise a George Hallis trophy. It is so, so awesome for him. All right, quickly, we'll go back to the phone lines here. Sixers lose tonight. Were they up 21 in the first half of this game? Was that the they number? were up 21 in the first half. 21! Sixers lose tonight. And I, it's just a shame. Sometimes this happens. It's a function of, of just timing. Like The first thing I'm saying about the Sixers this week is tonight. Right? They just play. They just finished. People are driving home. We can react to it. I don't want to ignore how cool of a game Saturday was. I, I mean, I, I, I was... I, I usually am not watching games Saturday afternoon, like basketball games. Like, I'm home. It's the weekend. Hanging out with family, like I'm not sitting, but I couldn't get up from that game. That was an incredible back and forth between the Sixers and Nuggets and Embiid outplaying Jokic, and it was it was a great basketball game. It was one that put Embiid right there behind Jokic in the MVP odds again. So I don't want to ignore it, but that was Saturday. It's been two days. They played again tonight, and they blew a 21 point lead to the Orlando Magic, 119-109 loss tonight. And I, the Magic aren't, I guess, as horrific as they, they've been in years past. Paolo Bencaro is a really good rookie, going to win Rookie of the Year. So I, I guess we could call them 
Like, they're representative. They're not a— They're feisty. Yeah, they're 20-31 and 31 now. But still, they're, they're, they came in 19-31. and 31. Uh, So Sixers blew a big lead tonight. It just seemed like they just stopped scoring? Yeah, it seemed like they got up early, and then they kind of all took a exhale and went to the bench and stopped really trying. And then all of a sudden, by the time they tried to rev their engines back up, the Magic had come all the way back and had all the momentum, and they just couldn't stop it. And— you go and watch their offense in the fourth quarter. It was an absolute joke. I mean, they were moving the ball, but there was no movement off the ball. It ended up being a lot of pass the ball around the arc and, and dump it to Embiid with about five seconds left in the shot clock. And coming off a game like Saturday, you're bound to have games like this over the course of an 82-game season. But it is frustrating. So I think this is the first game in a while that everyone's kind of all bought in on the Sixers again. And we spend the whole weekend leading up to at least the Eagles game Talking about how they're back. This is their shot. This is their chance to win a title when they're beating Harden. And when you go lay an egg like that at home against the Magic, that's why people don't believe in the Sixers. If you want to know why people don't think this team is a title contender right now, it's because you do things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, Embiid after the game Saturday said this is the, the most well-built team around me. It fits, and they, they have a tough night tonight. I mean, just looking at the box score, I mean, you could just tell one team had energy tonight, the other one didn't. Fast break points, Magic 28, Sixers 14. Fouls, Sixers 25, Magic 16. I mean, that turn, uh, turnovers, 19-10, Sixers had nine more than the Magic. I mean, that's effort, that is, that is energy. Obviously, tonight they lost it. Uh, so they'll play the Magic again Wednesday. Is that here? They have t- Back-to-back games against the Magic at home. Why do they do that now? Did this start during the pandemic? I think it did, and I don't know if they like it. I don't know if it saves them on flights or whatever it may be, but it is weird. It's like a baseball thing, right? A team comes in, they're here for a weekend, right? A team comes in to play the Phillies, they're here Monday to, thir- to through Wednesday or Do you think Markel Fultz is going to take everybody on a tour of the city? Well, he could. I mean, I mean, he was here for a few years. He probably knows his way around the Liberty I'm Bell. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, Liberty Bell, his favorite restaurant, whatever they want to do. If you see Markel, tell him we said hi. Uh, tonight, Markel had 12 points in a Magic win. Chris is in Doyle's house. Chris is up on WIP. Hey, Chris. How we doing tonight, fellas? What's up, Chris? What are you thinking? Nothing. Well, hey, I lived in Arizona for a short stint and uh, from the East Coast, and 110 is still 110. Put your oven at that. That's a dry heat. It's still hot. It's, I don't want to. I don't care what you say. It's hot, and I have my air conditioner on like forty. People come over. They go, "Man, you're from the East Coast." I said, "You're right. It's so hot out there. That's the summertime." So but how yeah, about how about se- it's going to be seventy when I'm there next week? Was, does that feel like seventy? Not, not well, not yet. Yeah, I don't feel like so. I'm going to get a little chilly at night. Um, kind of kind of like Embiid was tonight. A little chilly. I know he dropped thirty and eleven, but after that game the other night, and then it, it, it's not his point production. It's not his rebounds. It's just, if you watch the game, I know it's hard for you guys at the studio, it's, he's just so sluggish, giving up turnovers, constantly putting the ball on the floor, and giving up dumb turnovers, and fouling, getting his fifth foul. There was so much. How do you go from that game to that? And I get it. It's professional athletes. We, we all do it. You know, we all have games off. But that's what you, said, you were saying earlier. We can't believe in this team yet. It's tough to believe in this team. You know, well, and the hard they, part is, like, they get up for these big games. Like, obviously, they were up for that game against the Nuggets on Saturday. It was a national TV game. Jokic is in. Sure. But then you have nights like this where it feels like they, they, lose that, they lose that energy throughout the game. That's frustrating. Yeah, and like I said, it's, it's constantly, and I love Joel, and I think it's going to be great. It's it, why he can't go down low. And then when he goes down low, he tries to dribble around his back, and he gets it taken from a little guard. Fultz, at least, wasn't the one doing it, thank God. Um, I, I got a quick point, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of against it. So yesterday we're down at the game. 
and we're looking at tickets online, et cetera. And, you know, the cheapest one at, at one point was about 1100 right? We, a buddy next to us goes and looks on Kansas City's game, said Cincinnati. They were selling for $280. Wow. What? what? He, That's a ridiculous guess, difference. Well, I'm going to tell you, in Houston, when the Phillies played Houston, the tickets for in Houston for those games were – you could have gone to Houston, flight, dinner, hotel, and a game – for less than one ticket, we're selling filler. So, Chris, before flight? you go on, so I, I went down. Yeah. I was there for one and two for WIP. I went down, and I was able to, yeah. to, to be at the stadium and watch the games. And I met fans on the concourse, Phil, you know, Phillies fans from here, with the exact same thing you're telling me. They're like, I, they looked at ticket prices for the game, you know, game three, four, five at home, and they figured out it was cheaper <laughs> to fly to Houston, get a hotel, buy tickets, and, and, do, and, and hang out down there. And I was like, that's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't understand why. Our market's great. We're Philadelphia. I get that, but we're a blue-collar town here. I don't know why our tickets are so ridiculously bigger than everybody else. I know. I know, I Chris, man. I, listen, I appreciate it. You're right about that. So yesterday I was watching the game. Uh, my son had said he, he wishes we could go, and I'm like, me too. It's like I, I just I, – I could never imagine spending that much on a game. I mean, maybe one day I would, and maybe one day we'll do something like that, but – like fifteen hundred bucks for a ticket to a game, like three thousand dollars to take him, or forty five hundred to take my two kids. Like that's just that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I, I felt that when I spent a couple hundred on going to the Phillies in the World Series, and then they got no hit, and I felt <laughs> sick to my stomach afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I I get it. Like sometimes these are experiences you want to do, right? So and if you have money and, and you can do it, and you you want to make it work, I mean, go for it. It's, it's awesome, and and you get to say you were there for that celebration. So I'm not knocking anyone for going. It's just, see, baseball and football are different for me. I don't like watching football at the stadium. Now, I don't mind if I'm in the seats, but, like, the press box thing is, you know, I could have sat up there. I could have stayed and sat up the press box yesterday. I don't – did you like the press box when you've been in it before? I always found it to be tight. It's sterile. And I would just rather watch it at home. Like, I, I can sit at my desk at home. I can have my big computer on my desk at home, whereas – if you're in the press box, you're kind of elbow to elbow. Yep. And the advantages of being at the game and getting quotes from players in locker rooms and stuff doesn't really benefit our show in any way, right? Like, yeah. we aren't getting exclusive content. So if I can sit at home and take all my notes and get all the same information while watching on TV and wear sweatpants, I'll do that. Yeah, well, I mean, that, there's that part of it, too. And and I see and hear things on TV you would never see at the game, right? Like, No, you see it all the time, like... Something will happen on the TV broadcast, and you'll see beat reporters blatantly ask, what did they say on TV? Because we don't know what happened. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you get a, a better glimpse of actually what's going on. Um, I mean, even when uh, Aaron Andrews talks yeah, at halftime, what, what what the coach said to her at halftime, and not that they're giving her inside information, but like there's a tone to it about how the coach feels. I, I think that kind of stuff is interesting. That's like the some more, those little things in the game that I like hearing, you know, on TV. 215-592-9494. So, um, you know, I mentioned where the Eagles are the favorites in this game. It is, it's fascinating what's happened and what happened last night with the line on this game. So, well, I I guess I just lost track of time. I was watching the um, the Chiefs and the Bengals, as we all were last night, to figure out who the Eagles were going to play. And I, I guess I didn't look at my phone for 20 minutes or a half hour when the game ended, and I was like, oh, let me go check. What, who's the favorite? And I looked over at FanDuel, and the Eagles were the favorite. So I assumed they opened up the favorite because I, I just I kind of thought in my mind, like, oh, the game just ended a few minutes ago. And then I realized the Eagles opened up underdogs, and 
I have to imagine this is not just like, you know, people like us. These sharp bettors must have put a lot of money on the Eagles getting points because the line flipped significantly all the way to them as favorites. And now it's settled that the Eagles as one and a half point favorites over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, 49 and a half in the total. I I think we're headed towards a toss up Super Bowl in terms of the odds. I I don't think anyone's going to go back out to a field goal. I mean, Unless there's bad news on Hertz or Mahomes, which I think we'd know by now if, if there was. They're both just they're banged up and, and going to try to rest up for a week. I can't imagine either team being a, a field goal favorite. They're, they're, one team is better top to bottom, and the other team has the best quarterback. That feels like an even game. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's interesting, not only the Eagles becoming favorites, but that total's dropped a little bit. I think it was 50.5. It may have gotten as high as 51 some places. As it goes down and the line trends towards the Eagles... Then say they think the Eagles are going to win a, a low-scoring game. Yeah, that surprises me though. The total. I just these are the two highest-scoring teams in the NFL this year. I mean, forty-nine is still pretty high. But I've also think we've seen in Super Bowls that, especially a team like the Eagles who haven't been there before, it can get kind of sloppy. Little nerves, right? Like, couldn't you see some nerves, some tightness, and maybe yep. it's only three nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but this is obviously the biggest test the Eagles offense has ever has faced all year. I mean, like it's and I don't think anything's close. You know, this is the num the Chiefs are the number one offense in the league. And the Eagles were two, I believe. And then you look at the gap between the Eagles and like the tenth team, it's the the gap between one and two was bigger. I mean, this is a major, major challenge for the Eagles defense. I I tend to think and maybe my mind will change as the week goes on or next week goes on. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I mean, the Eagles get to twenty nine. The Eagles get to twenty seven by accident, and Patrick Mahomes gets to the twenty mid twenties by accident. That that right there will put you in the fifties. You know, the last four Super Bowls have all gone under. The last Super Bowl to go over was Eagles Patriots. I mean, I'm, I don't know if we're going to get a Super Bowl like that, but boy, that was a fun Super Bowl. Just like just the style of, style of it was amazing. Yeah, I was just curious about. The total and kind of where it fits in pass. And last year it was 49 and a half, but only 43 points were scored. The year before, when it was Tampa Bay, Kansas City, it was 56. And that was only 40. 53 the year before that, they only got 51. And then New England, LA, the total was 55 and a half. They missed by 40 points on that one. So, what are both, on average, both teams need 25, right, for us to get over the total? Right. So like 23 27 gets us there. I wonder how many games each of these teams has scored less than. The mid twenties. It's not many. I mean, they've scored a lot of points. These two teams, right? Like, and I know that they've they haven't faced each other, and there's been different opponents, some good, some bad. But I would imagine most games, these two teams are over twenty four, twenty six points. They're in that range. Eagles have five games under twenty four points, and the Chiefs have. Let me guess, three. The Colts game, I remember specifically. I'm sure they had a, the maybe the Titans game. They kind of have a clunker that Sunday night. They have four. They scored. 23 against the Bengals last night, 20 against the Bills, 20 against the Titans, and then 17 against Indianapolis. So they've played a combined 38 games, right? 19 each? Yes. And they have nine combined games under the mid-20s? Correct. These teams score. I mean, <laughs> these teams score a lot of points. They have, they, have, they have enormous offenses led by good play callers, great quarterback play. They're going to finish one and two in the MVP, these two. So I, I think we get points in Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see. We've got two weeks to talk about it. I cannot wait. Uh, and I also can't wait to hear the Mac Man. Is it the Mac Man up next? Ah, oh, he's ready to talk about Super Bowl 57, the Eagles and the Chiefs. All right, Jody Mac has you next. We'll be back tomorrow night at 6. 
uh, and celebration mode moves into, let's talk about the Super Bowl mode. A lot to discuss. Jody next. You guys have a great night. We'll talk tomorrow at 6 on Sports Radio 94 WIP.